Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This is an RNZ podcast. They say it takes a village to raise a child. I'm Catherine Ryan, and here we draw on my conversations with experts on 9 to Noon to help you navigate family life parenting advice about screen time and social media. While the overuse of technology is one of the biggest parental worries of the moment, Temple University academic Jordan Shapiro says you shouldn't panic about it, rather get it sorted. He says that games and social media can be good for children and that screen time can be quality time. Jordan is author of The New Childhood, Raising Kids to Thrive in a Connected World. He also pens a Forbes column on global education, learning through digital play, kids and culture. He is with us with some advice on how to parent the wired child and how children should engage with the digital technology around them. And by the way, it includes you. Good morning, Jordan, and welcome to Nine to Noon. Oh, thanks. It's great to be with you. I think you're in Philly, so it's probably late afternoon, is it? (laughs) It's evening here for me, but it's morning for you, so I'll pretend. Tell me about the research that you've done over the last five years or so in particular as we've tried to sort of separate the worry and the perhaps justified concerns from the reality that these are our kids' lives. What kind of work have you done? Well, well, a lot of my research has actually been looking uh, at cultural history and noticing that that we've complained or worried or panicked about many of the same things every single time there's been a, t- a transformation in technology, right? So, uh, for example, I discovered that there, there was a point where physicians were advising uh, parents not to let children sit by the windows on trains because it moved so fast it was going to impact their brain. The human brain couldn't handle images moving that fast uh, through them. Um, you know, you just find all of these concerns. And what I realized in that is that so many of the things that we tend to think of as the sort of essential parts of childhood, things like wooden toys, uh, things like the sandbox or the playground, these are actually things that were created for the industrial era in the, it, during the industrial era in order to teach kids the kinds of skills that they needed in order to be good citizens living in industrial economies. And so so what that brought me to was to look at, at how the world is changing and to realize, hey, we're going to need to develop new kinds of play for, for kids to, to, for a different kind of technological paradigm and a different kind of economic paradigm. Uh, and, and I think a lot of that's already happening. And as I studied play and studied how kids learn through play, I, I, I found that many of the things that we know no work still exist in the digital world. Of course, this isn't a, a, a replacement for 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 physical play, but but it, but it's also not this horrible thing that, that that has none of the benefits of play. I guess that balance is the mission that we're all on. I was speaking recently to another researcher based out of the states who said it's quite startling that kids are, uh, and she wasn't being sensationalist. She had some data to back it. Kids' spatial awareness and even balance. Um, develops with physical exploration. So the physical matters, 
what you're pointing to is a very different world where the digital absolutely matters. And they are going to need both the skills and the personal management skills. So how, how do you come at the question of how much and what kind of digital screen activity? Well, well, I don't think we really know. You know, people always say to me, what, what's the right amount of screen time for kids? And I, and I always sort of want to tease them and say, well, you should do exactly 83 minutes. If you're one <laughs> second over, there'll be brain damage, right? <laughs> because it's so absurd to even to even ask as if there's a, there's a right or a wrong thing. I think it really depends on the child and it depends on what they're doing. So, for example, you could ha- you can have a child who's so excited about uh, building, let's say, programming electronic music uh, with their with their laptop. If they spend eight hours uh, composing electronic music, I doubt that's going to bother parents in the same way that, that video games bother them. So I think we really need to think about what what's happening, whether or not those things that are happening match with our values, and also be concerned about whether or not our kids are getting enough phys- physical activity, whether they're reading enough, whether they're doing enough non-screen activities. So what is it that you suggest to parents? I hinted at one of it in the introduction. <laughs> you should be involved. This shouldn't be um, entirely their space all the time while you get on and watch whatever you know Netflix drama you want. How do you sensibly get involved with kids at, at various ages in order to understand what they're doing apart from anything else? Well, I would say not only to understand what they're doing, but also to guide what they're doing. You know, the, uh, I, when I was doing research for this book, uh, I, I really thought this through and I, and I went, it's almost crazy if you think about this. In any other part of our children's lives, we hold their hands uh, and guide them for years and years and years before we let them loose. But for some reason with screens, we just let them loose, right? When I when my children were very little, I took them to the playground. I climbed on the jungle gym at the playground with them. And if, if they hit another kid, I said, no. No hitting. If they didn't share, I said, you must share. I said, no calling names, right? I was constantly intervening and teaching them appropriate behaviors for these spaces. When I taught my kids to cross the street, I held their hands probably for a decade before I really said, okay, now you're free to do it completely by yourself. Uh, but for some reason, when it comes to social media or video games, parents go, okay, well, that's your thing. I'm going to go in the other room and ignore you. And then we're surprised that they don't know the good behaviors, that there's cyberbullying, that there's angry tweets, that, that you know, but, but where, when were they ever supposed to learn these things if parents didn't guide them? So I'm not even asking for anything extreme other than saying, hey, parents, how about we apply the same good parenting that we all know how to do in so many other places to this place? So on the social media front, um, that is perhaps the area that causes the single most concern to parents because they do wonder, they do worry about bullying and targeting. Yeah. How yeah. at, again, if you could pick a couple of different ages because, this is the other thing, when, when should my kid be allowed near so, Facebook, <laughs> Facebook or social media? I, I take your point. It will be different for each of them, but could we break yeah. it into the first interactions they have and how to do that appropriately and some suggestions on good places to start? To well, start well, the, the education. The, the, the first thing I would say is, is is just to calm people's fears a bit about the, the cyberbullying. You know, the, when you look at the real numbers on this, I think it's something like 4% of, of kids uh, report cyberbullying. There's still 40% of kids who, 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 who report real-life bullying, right? So, so it's not like social media is, has more bullying than the rest of the world. In fact, less, uh, 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 it seems like. But, 
to your to get specifically to your question about when I, I've often said that it, it's almost shocking to me how late we do it. Right. I think on average, if you look at the data, it seems to be around 11, 12, 13 years old is when we first allow kids on social media. And I, I think about this and I go, wait, 11, 12, 13. That's when suddenly they're going through puberty. They have hormones. They're interested in risky behaviors. They want to ignore everything their parents say. That seems like a terrible time to get them started in a dangerous place. It would seem to me that that we should start that a lot younger at the point where our kids want to listen to us, at the point where all they want to do is make friends, at the point where they want to be kind. Of course, monitoring that because there's certainly things to be worried about. But but I don't know how we're supposed to guide our kids if we wait until the moment when they don't want our guidance in order to introduce them to this this thing. So so I've often suggested that. I think social media should start much younger. It should start, uh, you know, maybe even at seven years old, but not on the giant public platforms. I I would like to see large families with lots of relatives have their own private social media networks that the younger kids can be involved in. I would like to see maybe church groups have social media networks that are closed so that so that so that. Grownups can then model positive behaviors, right? Then we can model how you interact with each other, right? We can model how you could possibly do pro-social teasing, right? Because I often tease my brothers in ways that are full of dignity and respect. And if we could teach our kids to do that kind of uh, of friendly teasing rather than the kind that really hurts people, I think I think we get in it. We we'd be in a much happier place. But that's something that the kids learn from watching grownups and imitating those behaviors. So unless they have the opportunity to do that, then I think we can expect a lot more of of, of the same scary stuff that we're seeing right now. It's part of the problem though that there is a dearth of suitable, closed, age appropriate social networks for kids to learn these skills on because parents. Are are worried about the private messaging services. They are worried yeah. about the more adult and open um, services. And are we lacking an option for the kids to learn these skills before they hit adolescence and early high school? Well, I, I think we're lacking that absolutely. But part of the reason we're lacking it is, is because there's no demand for it. Um, um, and I think if if we were able to shift to that that parental attitude where parents wanted these, where again, where 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 football teams want it, you know, if kids football teams wanted them, where if churches want them, where families want them, then I think the demand will exist and they'll start to they'll start to get built. Um, and and and. Uh, um, and, and then we'll be able to model those behaviours. The other thing to model is that balance of in real life versus online. And again, I, I, I concur with you to this extent that we've tended to deal with it by delaying everything as much as possible, <laughs> rather than perhaps modelling. And this is another thing. We, we worry about kids disappearing into... Um, into non-physical, non-face-to-face contact to an excessive degree. I I appreciate what you're saying, that we are living in a very different world and economy and everything else, but our brains haven't evolved overnight to match that. And so again, if you're trying to model a balance between the physical interactions is this something you can start before, while you still have some kind of say over your young person's life? Well, well, again, I think I think if if parents get more involved in their in their children's uh, uh, digital lives, and I mean playing playing games with them when they're little, like like 
being making that video game time when they're little family time, not not time where you leave them alone all the you know. So I, I mean that's certainly going to be the time when we leave them alone sometimes because parents need a break sometimes. But make sure that that's not the only time they're using screens. And I think we can start to model that. We can start to teach them how to do that balance. You know, we often hear. Uh, people talk about how parents need to model it as if parents need to change their current behaviors. And maybe some parents do need to change their behaviors. But I would say, you know, I use a lot of a lot of uh, uh, digital technology in my life. I use a lot of screens in my life. In fact, I would I would guess that that more than half of my interactions, whether those are social or professional, uh, uh, the, all of those interactions, are, you know, more than half of them are, are digital at this at this point. And I don't feel like any of that's done in a way that that's not healthy. So when I say modeling, I don't mean necessarily, you know, doing things that aren't in line with how we behave as grownups, but to make sure that we're expecting the same kind of behaviors that we would practice ourselves, right? I won't sit and 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 stare at a screen for eight hours straight. Uh, although sometimes I will binge watch something on Netflix, and so therefore we should also understand that sometimes kids might want to binge play a video game, and and that's not terrible unless that's happening all the time and in the way of all their other activities. With my own kids, I, I've never put really strict uh, rules on on how much screen time they can have, but I have put pretty strict rules on what my expectations are of other things they must do. So they must play outside. They must have some face-to-face time with friends. They must read books. After they're done doing all those things, I expect if they can fit in eight hours a day of video games, you know, that's fine with me. I, I don't think there's enough hours in the day for that to work, but. Uh, but, but, you know, if they're doing all the things that we value, then we shouldn't be worried about it. Um, but if the, it's in the way of those things, that's a problem. One of the things you have pointed out, and this, I can understand how a collision of societal forces has led to this, <laughs> is the screen time is seen as, great, that's my time out time, and then it screens off. You need to rethink it as, actually, it's a time you need to involve yourself in, especially with those younger kids, or at transitional stages. You need to involve yourself in that time rather than see it as a time limit, your time out, their time on screen, and then time's up. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true, and especially when they're, especially for the youngest kids, and and maybe for the middle age kids, right? Uh, you know, I would say anyone under ten, you want to make sure the the majority of their screen time is is time is social screen time, whether that's screen time with parents or with siblings or something, but not this sort of zone out by yourself, give me a break screen time. Uh, now that being said, a little bit of give me a break screen time is not gonna is not gonna hurt anyone, but if, but but I. I think we do have have people who think, hey, uh, if I give my my kid a, a, a video, a, a, an iPad for uh, for four hours, then I can get a lot of work done. And, and you know that might be fine when they're when they're fourteen, but that, but that's but that's that's hurting them if they if they're really young. To think also of the board games you might have played as kids, and appreciate those board games. And the bonding that can happen around them might now be screen games. Although I'm still all for a board game if you can get anyone to join in. Okay. <laughs> right. Right. I don't. I don't think it's. I don't think it's either. Either or necessarily. <laughs> but. But. Yeah. But certainly in my own family, my kids and I have spent hours together playing video games, sitting together uh, on the sofa, laughing, giggling, making jokes. Uh, you know, having a lot of fun together. And, and and you know we we we've we've played through entire games start to finish together, and and those were really fantastic. Ex- experiences. Jordan, we have had a lot of focus this past fortnight for reasons we wish we would never have to. A lot of focus on YouTube and Facebook 
and yeah. particularly the the algorithmic programming suggested content that is very much in spotlight right now. Um, specifically, the tendency to push ever more uh, aggressive or extreme content, not out of a deliberate attempt to stuff people's heads up, but because that is what drives eyeballs and 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 uh, time spent online. So it's very yeah. much on our minds right now. And can you comment? Because obviously YouTube videos can just open up the world to the most amazing, um, fascinating content. But navigating what we are now learning about unsuper- unsupervised uh, surfing and where this could lead. Can you comment? Yeah, well, well, the first thing I would say that, that certainly, uh, you know, as, as a civilization, humanity the, and individual societies, we're really going to need to have that uh, a serious discussion about about how we're going to think about policy in terms of these things. And and that's sort of outside the scope of what I've written about in the, in the new childhood. But I don't want to pretend that I'm not thinking about that. Uh, that's certainly uh, it's time for us to say, hey, what what's OK and what's not OK uh, uh, and, and where, what do we agree? as society is about. But as to the question for what parents can do in the meantime, um, and what teachers can do in the meantime, is, is we really need to think about making sure people, especially kids, understand the, the, the fact that these are predictive, understand the fact that this is not a random uh, uh, search. Under, you know, This is sort of basic media literacy, making sure, talking to kids all the time about how there's an agenda in every digital screen you look at. You know, when I'm sitting at home with my children and I decide to turn on Netflix and pick something to watch, we spend a lot of time where I'll just say, hey, why did they? Why do you think they gave us those choices? Why do you think it's organized that way? What do you think they, they're trying to sell? You know, just those kinds of conversations start to make them recognize that, that these are not uh, neutral menus. Um, and, then, and they start to recognize that in all these places, right? It doesn't necessarily have to be any more formal than just occasionally pointing it out. When I see my children watching a YouTube video, I usually say, well, who do you think's paying for that YouTube video? I don't think they're just making it for fun. Do you think they're being sponsored? Right? Just just making sure they're thinking about all those things that could be underlying it and, in, and introducing that critical voice. I think that's what parents need to do in the meantime, while we also think about a, a, a larger uh, policy-based question about uh, uh, about what needs to happen in, in terms of, of predictive algorithms and, and, and AI and, and all these technologies that have the, 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 that we see now have the capacity to really disrupt our societies in ways we don't want. Thank you, Jordan Shapiro. He's the author of The New Childhood, Raising Kids to Thrive in a Connected World. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.